What You Missed on Weekend Mornings with Jason Dacey. Thanks for staying with us here on Money FM 89.3. Stay ahead. In the company of Perna Suri, she's director at Clarico Communications here in Singapore. She's a very experienced broadcast journalist, worked with the likes of uh, Al Jazeera, the BBC and Reuters, and uh, has an interesting story to tell about uh, the way she's come to Singapore. Good to see you on Money FM. Uh, tell me about uh, your early years. And I believe that you were born in India, but uh, grew up in Dubai. Yeah, that's right, Jason. So my parents were actually, one of, my dad was a petro engineer back in the days when Dubai was just a little port in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Uh, nobody really knew Dubai. So he just decided to up and pack and leave the country uh, for an opportunity there. My brother and I, we just grew up in the middle of um, a multicultural apartment complex where we had friends from Iran, Iraq, uh, Syria, Jordan, Bahrain. Uh, everything that you look at in the news right now, I think my passion for that comes from those days. Uh, in Dubai, where I had all these great friends celebrating Eid, Diwali, uh, all sorts of festivals. Uh, and it was a great childhood, to be honest. Everyone asked me that. Dubai, mm. why Dubai? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you also, you know, you grew up in Australia, so great outdoors, swimming and all of that. We had nothing like that. Um, but it was just, it was a great experience growing up in a place where you can also have Pakistani friends. I come from India. Mm. Uh, so the India-Pakistan political discourse is very strong. Uh, so when I went back to India for my studies, uh, higher studies as well, when I used to tell my friends in university, I have Pakistani friends that were like, wow, how do they look? Things right. like that, right? So. Well, you know, I was recently in, in Mumbai, and even now I could just see the anti-Pakistani sentiment that uh, the everyday person has. So the way that you grew up in Dubai among with Muslim friends and many other different nationalities, I'm sure it sparked the interest in becoming a journalist and, and working and finding out more about the world. It did indeed. And I think uh, being a foreign correspondent was never in the books, uh, just like every other Asian child. Um, my parents sort of encouraged me to take up engineering, medicine, uh, but not to the degree that that I saw other parents would be doing that. So as soon as I finished high school, I had no clue what I wanted to do, to be honest. So I sort of decided medicine, perhaps, let's try that out. But my brother actually sort of pulled me out and called me out on that. He said, is this what you really want to do? And I had to actually look him in the eye very sheepishly (laughs) and just tell him no. I mean, I think I'd much rather do something else. Well, we all know about the Indian parents wanting their their kids to be engineers or, you know, uh, doctors maybe lawyers. But yeah, journalism is a different path, isn't it? And it's not an easy path. It's definitely a challenging part, mm. path as well, uh, especially because I was a woman, uh, a girl at that time, no longer a girl. <laughs> um, but I think having that supportive community around you, having uh, grandparents who were super inspiring, having parents who were super inspiring as well. My mom's an entrepreneur. She started her own company in Dubai about 25 years ago. So having those strong, strong role models just gave me the confidence that Um, It is challenging. You're perhaps uh, the only woman in a place like Darfur, uh, the only woman in a place like Tibet uh, who's reporting on the situation there. But that also gave me a lot of um, foundation strength, perhaps an inner resilience uh, to actually tell the story as authentically as I could with those communities. Yeah, to become a foreign correspondent. And we've worked at some of the same places, uh, BBC and Reuters, uh, we've both worked at. Uh, even Al Jazeera, I've done uh, work for them and you've been uh, working there as a correspondent and, and journalist. How did you get the, the jump into these big networks? So I, uh, again, I mean, none of my career choices has uh, been strategic. Um, I literally went back to university in the UK 
I went to London, did my master's there, had no idea what I wanted to do next. I so just, by this point, you're in your mid-20s, I guess. I'm in. I'm 24 by then. Right, yeah. which is relatively old. Which is relatively <laughs> I mean, old. I mean, you know what I mean. Because so, look, look, when I look at my path, I was... Si- you know, 15, yeah. 16, and I knew I wanted to be a journalist then. So right, for yeah. me, it's quite old, but of course, it's not very yeah, old in the go. grand scheme of things. <laughs> so what what, you know, what changed in, the, in your mid-20s then? So in my mid-20s, I went back to Dubai. Uh, I was working for the government of Dubai for their sovereign wealth fund, uh, doing a little bit of public relations there. But then I got this great opportunity with an Indian broadcaster called NDTV. Yes, who, very famous in, um, news channel uh, yeah. in Delhi, right? Yeah, but, yeah. So Barkhadat, who was the editor there, sort of came to Dubai. We met up, had a coffee. That was my big break. She said, why don't you just come to Delhi? It was a huge pay cut, I have to admit. Mm, I bet, um, yeah. Journalism doesn't pay like no. uh, some of the other corporate jobs, right? <laughs> Not at all, mm. <laughs> but far more fulfilling. Um, so I did take that up. I decided that by far was the best decision I had taken, just going back to India, uh, getting my roots in the country that I um, sort of was born in and reporting on it. Uh, Al Jazeera came calling perhaps a year after NDTV. Uh, They had looked at my work and they sort of said, we're interested. Would you be interested in this role? Uh, And looking at Al Jazeera's track record, I was like, "Uh, yes. Mm. I mean, that's a Mm no-brainer. So I I did that for about five years, um, covering South Asia for them, India, Bangladesh, uh, Nepal, Sri Lanka. As a correspondent. As a correspondent. And here's my little uh, humble bragging. I was 26 (laughs) when I became a foreign correspondent with Al Jazeera. Well, that's a very quick uh, turnaround, isn't it? There you being go. <laughs> someone that didn't know uh, what they wanted to do. Yeah, and then I'm telling you, I'm not strategic <laughs> at all. Things just happen and I'm like, hmm, maybe oh. that's that's the best way of planning things or not. Wow. With um, Pruni Suri, she is the uh, broadcast journalist working here for Clareco Communications. So uh, what? A, uh, tell me more about the journey, a BBC and some of the other places it worked for. Yeah, so Jason, I think you and I perhaps spent on similar journeys as well, where, you know, you sort of think about um, what are the beats that you want to cover? What what do you want to specialize in? Because we all went through the generic reporting of the cat in mm, the tree. And... I've done that. I used to do Pet of the Week. That was one of my segments. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that was when I was around 23 or 24. There you go. <laughs> so, um, so I think we've all done that. But, you know, through the years, I just realized that uh, international political reporting is what I was interested in. International business is what I'm really interested in. So that sort of honed me in for the BBC and the the Reuters roles. Reuters, as you know, completely uh, business-focused news wire as well. So I think it just helped me hone on the craft that I was sort of chipping away on Mm. um, since the past few years, just to create this sculpture of um, what my career is right now, I guess. Yeah, and that analogy is a bit yeah all over the place. <laughs> I, get that. I know what you mean. I, I, I know where you're coming from. So some of the you know exciting places you've reported from, the dangerous places you've sort of touched on them. But tell us more about those. So I think I've been tear gassed a couple of times, um, which is really yeah, which is uncomfortable. I wouldn't mm. call it scary, um, but I think it was in uh, Indian administered Kashmir in uh, 2010. Wow! So wearing a flak jacket and boots and uh, your helmet and just you know seeing this tear gas being <laughs> shell being shot at you wow. uh, was slightly uncomfortable. Uh, Who are you reporting for there? Was it Al Jazeera? Al Jazeera yeah. as well. Mm. Um, and I was also my hotel room was knocked down a couple of times in Manipur, which is along the border with Myanmar. So we were doing a story on drug trafficking along the India-Myanmar border. And uh, my producer at that time told me it was somebody from the gangs who sort of figured out what we were trying to do. So I I, I would suggest, yeah, that would be my scary moment Mm, where you're mm. just like, "Mm, I'm not sure if, you know, this is the right place to be doing this. But again, I come back to the communities that you're reporting for. It's um, one of those journalism, as you said, it's not a nine to five profession. Uh, You're really there just to 
uh, tell the stories that you want to tell about the people that you care about uh, in the truest, most authentic fashion, mm-hmm. giving a voice to the voiceless. Again, that cliche. Yes, yes. Look, I, I've done a lot of sports reporting as well as general news. And, uh, you know, obviously that's a bit of a different path. But I can relate to um, some of my colleagues from CNN and BBC who have that adrenaline, that, that they yeah. only get the adrenaline. I've got a friend who always wants to go to Syria and these other places. And I'm thinking, why? You know, <laughs> Afghanistan, why? But he just wants to tell the story. And I'm thinking, what's so dangerous uh, yeah. but it's just part of who we are as, as as broadcast journalists I guess it is and I think I mean that adrenaline junkie side of me still sort of craves that a little bit mm. um, but again you know like you said people ask me why why do you want to sort of go back and do these kind of things but so I did a film for Channel News Asia I was with Channel News Asia very recently um, and the film was on the European uh, refugee crisis so we traced uh, three families coming in from Syria Iraq and Iran from Germany to Macedonia and finally, eventually, to um, uh, starting from Greece, actually. Yes. So we just sort of uh, traced their movements. And it gave me the sort of insights that what we have in our life right now, just be grateful for that. People yeah. don't have clean drinking water. Mm. Uh, kids are going on dingy boats uh, just to make those perilous journeys and survive. Mm. Um, you know, the Thai cave boys rescue, I keep yeah. bringing that up. Mm. So I think we have a lot of things to be grateful about. And just reporting on some of those things, I hope... Has has given me some perspective on life mm. in my um, very old life, as I like to call it now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, tell us about how you came to Singapore, because I know you've been in many different parts of the world. What was the Singapore step? So Singapore was soon after uh, being with Al Jazeera for about five years. I think I was completely burnt out by then. Mm. Uh, did all sorts of cool travels, foreign uh, reporting, things like that. Um, and I had just gotten married uh, six years ago. So my husband um, essentially got a great posting um, and I decided, again, in my non-strategic way of planning out my life that, hey, you know, let's give this a shot. Uh, And in our mind, it was supposed to be only two or three years. uh, But Singapore has really, I mean, it's given us a lot. We had a child here last year. Uh, our son, Samanwe, I'm plugging my son's <laughs> name there now. Um, so I think it's mm. it's just one of those countries that makes you feel secure, happy, um, and you can always travel outside and get that adrenaline rush that you also crave. So it's been several years for you now, is it? It's been six years. Six yeah. years, wow. Yeah. And being a mum now, how does that change your perspective of your career path, being a broadcast journalist and, and going to these places around the world? Uh, it's changed slightly. I do realize that I have, have someone else I need to be responsible for. Having said that, I know that my son, once he grows up and figures out that that's why mummy is doing why, what she does, uh, I don't want to be inauthentic to myself as well. But that's really um, sort of given me the perspective that journalism is something that you can always go back to. And, you know, Jason, you've been a broadcaster as well. So it's always in your blood. Mm. Um, but I'm really happy and excited to be uh, in a new role right now with Clarico Communications focusing on senior strategic communications advice uh, for C-suite executives um, and people who really need uh, that crucial information uh, advice, essentially, NGOs, uh, sustainable space. Um, So I'm hoping to bring back that skill set of communicating with ordinary people and then feeding that back into the policymakers and uh, the powers to be. It's quite different to getting uh, hit with tear gas at the border in Kashmir, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I don't miss the tear gas, but I do miss the adrenaline rush uh, of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on, Pruna Suri, the Director of Clarico Communications and experienced broadcast journalist here in Singapore. Thanks, Jason.